You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a Thursday here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Happy Thursday to you. Producer and co-host is Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing all right. How about you, Matt? I'm good. I am doing very well on this Thursday. The New Orleans Pelicans are the best in the West. Look at that. Never thought I'd say that. To to be to be quite honest. Never thought I'd get to speak those words. However, 24 games into the season, the Pelicans are the best in the West. With a pretty convincing win last night over the Detroit Pistons, Zion Williamson having another above-average performance. 29 points, 10 rebounds. It's a little better than above average. Yeah, we're we're, we're going yeah. to say it's that's pretty, above average. It's pretty good. <laughs> Beating them 104 to 98 in the Smoothie King Center last night. And now the Pelicans sitting at 16 and 8, 10 and 3 in the friendly confines, while the Pistons fall to 7 and 20, 3 and 12 on the road. The Pistons were led by Sadiq Bey, who had 25 points on 100% free throw shooting. Four rebounds as well, and shot 50% from the three-point line. The reason I mentioned his free throw percentage is because I thought it said field goal percentage, and I was kind of taken aback that he shot 100% from the field. But <laughs> And then you look at the free throws like, oh, never mind. Correct. Was, I, was, just, I was looking in the wrong column. He just went two for two from the charity strike. Um, Zion Williamson. How about this? 11 of 16. Six of seven for Najee Marshall off the bench. Trey Murphy comes in with 20. Jonas Valanciunas with 14 and 12. You're sharing the love to everybody. Here's the, here's the thing with Zion. He's always been an efficient scorer because he just is so he, he just has so many ways to get to the paint. Mm-hmm. Because not only is he just big and powerful and just kind of can run you over easy because he's pretty he's built like an offensive tackle. Correct. But he also can dribble. Correct. He he is also very shifty. Correct. And can change speeds. That's so, the truth of fact. Like it's just so difficult to guard him because even when he gets up in the air to shoot, even if you kind of put it like kind of put a hand up to try and block it, he's still able to maneuver in midair and kind of either go under or kind of go to the sides where it's kind of like a almost like a hook or that like is... kind of just do whatever. Like he's just able, even though he's not a great three point shooter, he has so many ways of getting to the basket. And which is why he's just so he always has efficient numbers. And then, not only that, when he draws the fouls and gets like and ones, or even if he does miss, still draws the foul. He's a competent free throw shooter and can knock them down consistently. Zion Williamson is built in a different way. He is absolutely built different. He is just built in a different way. Um, he he's he's my he's my pick for MVP. A little biased, but. Uh, Just a little bit. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's my pick for MVP so far. Uh, but look, you know, talking about basketball, I, I, I claim to know a thing or two. 
I kind of grew up in a basketball family. I claim I claim to know a thing or two. My my brother is a college basketball coach. Like I, I definitely didn't grow up in a basketball family. I've 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 been around the block on the hardwood. Okay. If you score five, if you have five players scoring double figures, you are going to win the game. Unless you are playing the Monstars. Unless you're playing the 2017 Warriors. Correct. Like <laughs> if you if you have five players in double figures, you are going to win the game. The Pelicans, I mean, they they had four, but... I was going to say, it's interesting you bring up that point while the Pels had four, and then the Pistons had six. Make it the double figures. Well, <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny you bring up that point, but I, I get what you're saying. Usually when you have five different players reach double digits, you have a very good chance of winning the game. Well, thank you thank you for correcting me, James, because, uh, again, my, my math was bad. Um, you're just not mathematical. I'm really not. I've always struggled with math. Um, well, look, in this case, the Pelicans are the Monstars. The Pistons had six players in double figures. They lose. They played the Monstars. I mean, it's just it, it. the Pelicans. What's interesting about this team, though, when you look at them, is the youth on this group. I mean, Garrett Temple is the oldest player on the roster. And, I mean, granted, Garrett Temple doesn't play a whole lot. But, I mean, he's only 36. Well, yeah, in, in basketball, that's old. But, like, even... You have... You have is Jonas 30 yet? I don't Yes, even, he, he did. He got to 30 in May. He just turned 30. You have three 30-year-olds on your roster. Everyone else is 27 and younger. 27 and younger. Yeah. I mean, think about like, that. Like, the overall average of age is down there which think is, about which is that you got a lot of youth and with them making the playoff run and then working together you have that experience and you have that chemistry so not to mention you also have good depth which is really essential whenever you have one of your stars like bi go down pretty early on and has missed the last five games and but it doesn't matter you still you still won a majority of those last few games correct three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 is the number to call on the game hotline Got a couple of top stories to get to. Brittany Griner was freed today by Russian authorities in a prisoner exchange. That just that just reminded me with with this news coming out, I should have got the uh, the NFL draft trade like the oh the draft notification yeah. yeah. Um, she has been released after almost ten months of detention, and the swap will be made for a Russian arms dealer uh, to to return. To, Is that what it was classified as? Detention? Yeah, I mean, that's technically... I mean, yeah, it, it, but it's just funny whenever you mention that. It kind of just sounds like they, they put her in timeout. I mean... Uh, Go in your corner, Brittany. They, the Brittany Griner was... The, the, the swap took place in Abu Dhabi, and she was put on a plane back to the States, and they're saying that she could arrive back in the States as early as this evening. So, good news there. Moving on from from that, however, uh, this is interesting. Dan Snyder, who we've talked about a couple of times on, on this program for his involvement in the way that the commanders are being run, a 79-page report 
was released by the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform. And the report stated that Snyder permitted and participated in the team's longtime toxic work culture and also obstructed a 14-month congressional inquiry by dodging a subpoena working to dissuade and intimidate witnesses from cooperating and claiming more than 100 times in testimony that he could not recall answers to basic questions. So now is there enough ground for the NFL to do something? Is, 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 that, is that what's going to happen? Because if, if this isn't enough, what more are you going to need? Right? I mean, everybody that follows the NFL knows that Daniel Snyder is a bad owner. Everyone knows Daniel Snyder is not the greatest person. Like, what more do you need to remove him as owner? And now, how do you remove an owner? Well, it's actually quite simple. When 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 it has something to do with this... A toxic workplace environment. He's dodging testimonies. Of, of course, that's easy. Roger Goodell says, hey, sell the team now. Very, it's, it's very quite simple, actually. Um, so, you know, th- there's that. And then the Atlanta Falcons announced today that Marcus Mariota is going to the bench. Uh, I saw that coming. But now here's the question. Is this going to be a, you know, he's benched, but then when Arthur Smith gets fired and the new coach comes in, hey, Marcus Mariota, you're the quarterback. Now, I'm not saying Arthur Smith's going to get fired. I, I'm not I'm not saying that at all. I was going to say, he, I think he's been pretty solid he, as they, a coach they over have. there in Atlanta. I'm, I was just making the joke with, with the Colts. You benched Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. When Jeff Saturday comes, he's like, nah, man, you're playing. That regime is gone. Uh, so Desmond Ritter, now the guy in Atlanta, which I think is a smart move. I, I really think it's a smart move. Um, well, you, you you brought him in. You brought in Marcus Mario to be a bridge guy. Correct. Because at that point, you knew that the Falcons were going to draft a QB at some point. You just didn't know when. Correct. And it just so happened that there was only one QB that was drafted in the first round. So then it was like, okay, well, we can wait. <laughs> right. We could, we could wait. That reminds me. Do you remember seeing the draft video uh, for Desmond Ritter? I did. Whenever he, I think he was with Adam Lefko, mm-hmm. and he gave him a bunch of socks. He was like, "All right, which one are you picking?" Desmond Ritter actually picked the Falcons, and then and then like two it, weeks later, it, he, he gets picked <laughs> to the Falcons. It was like conspiracy, much nice conspiracy. How that works? Does he know something we don't? Right. <laughs> Right, as if the team. I know there have been plenty of stories where teams will be like, "We really like you. We're gonna draft you uh, if you like hit this point in the draft," and they don't. But at the same time, there are plenty of times where teams will be like, "Look, hey, we really like you." Right. So it's like you kind of have that feeling. It's like okay, and and you also have that human intuition and that feeling of like, I don't think it went too well with this team. I think it went went well pretty well with them. So it's like maybe get drafted by the Falcons. Who knows? Jason Garrett. Might be going back to coaching. Back at it again. He's a he's a finalist for the job at Stanford. Could be an interesting move for him. I was gonna say I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out. I don't 
I don't think he's done all that bad as an as an analyst. No, I don't. I don't think he has either. Um, and then Deshaun Watson was asked about the rust in his debut, and according to Watson, he said, "I don't know when it's going to come back. I don't know if it was going to be last week or this week. My job is to keep getting better, and when it clicks, it clicks, and everyone will feel that." Well, okay then. That's an interesting stance from I mean it's fair. I mean once you once you start playing again you get back into the groove. It's not like you kind of just flip a switch well, and turn it back on. Well, right. Um you got to give it a few games to kind of get kind of get a little f- feel of the flow of how this is going before thir- you get your groove back. Thursday night football tonight, the Raiders at the Rams in SoFi Stadium. Baker Mayfield. Now, 40 burger tonight? Baker Mayfield. What happened? Here's 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 the thing. Baker signed with the Rams Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. 48 hours later, starting for the Rams on Thursday night football? Hmm. Is that reek of desperation? The Rams just need to put anybody out there, don't they? Well, isn't isn't John Wolford still injured? Yeah. And then Bryce Perkins is just not very good. Uh, Wow. Might as well well take a shot in the dark. But here's my thing. Perkins, I I understand Perkins hasn't been playing well, but at least he knows the offense. Yeah, but you haven't met. But Stafford out. Right. Wolford out. Right. You You need to have at least somebody as a backup. I just... Hey, bud, we're, we're handing you the playbook this morning. You've got about six hours to go over it. You're starting tonight. Like It's like cramming for a, a ex- late finals. Excuse me? Last minute, you're like, oh, shoot. I got he's, he's going he, to be pulling a Russell Wilson. He's going to be calling Browns and Panthers audibles. and he's, <laughs> The Rams O-line's going to look at him like, dude, what are you doing? What the hell is he talking about? Oh man, it'll be must see TV to see how badly that goes. I, I I say that, but watch Baker throw for you know three fifty and four touchdowns, and then you know I look like a fool tomorrow. Three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Let's go to the hotline. Jay, what's up? Uh, Cleveland uh, coach uh, did he come from uh, McVay or Shanahan uh, coaching tree? The bad uh, off the top of my head, I do not know. I think uh, Baker might know some of the offense, some of the nuances, some of the, you know, he might have some understanding of the offense, if I'm not mistaken. I think that coach came from, like, Shanahan or... Uh, he was with the Vikings uh, from 06 to 19. So obviously not. <laughs> yeah, he he was with the Vikings from 06 to 19, and when he took the job in Cleveland. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh. So okay, I thought he was under uh, McVay at one point. Uh, so no. Hold on. He how long he's been uh, coaching Cleveland since 20? Since 2020, 2020. Yeah. And he was in a an assistant coach for the Vikings from 2006 to 2019. So, um, so I don't, I don't think he yeah, came from the game. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like you said, um, yeah, with Stafford being out, let's see, let's see what Mayfield can do. Because I'm hearing supposedly Stafford might retire after this year because he's so injured. 
I mean, that, that that's always kind of been the rumbling um, that, that this year might be his last year regardless. But now with the injuries, you're right, that definitely that definitely adds another layer to that. Well, Mayfield, man, it's crazy. Man, he was a starting quarterback week one. Now, you know, he was on the bench, and I uh, think he refused. Uh, he wanted to start. Now he get his chance. Um, I don't want to see him playing for the Saints. You know, I hear, I hear, I keep hearing that type of talk. You know, I'd rather have uh, Jared Goff than him. I heard, I heard y'all talking and I heard y'all mentioning uh, see, Goff yesterday. I'd really like Jared Goff. Yeah, you're all right. But, yeah, I'd rather Goff over uh, Mayfield. Look, you have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate you, Jay. So, yeah, you know, watch we're talking about how bad Mayfield's going to play tonight. And like I said, throws for 350, four touchdowns. And I told you, what if he drops a 40-burger? We're, we're going <laughs> we're, we're gonna to sit here on air tomorrow and just feel like absolute fools. <laughs> Pray, praise to the Mayfield. Right. All, all, all hail Baker. Ba- Baker becomes an MVP in L.A. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe it's because maybe it's because of the jer- the jersey number change. Uh, new, jer- from, from new Jersey, s- new Baker. That's what I'm saying. Who knows? Went from he was a, he was number six at Oklahoma, number six in Cleveland, number six in Carolina. It's now he's 17. seventeen. Such a he looks weird with that number, but it's very strange. Maybe who it's knows? Very strange. Anyways, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right, see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. Once again, Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's a three-guest show today. Jay Walker joins us at 4.30. Jake Madison joins us at 5 to talk Pels. And then at 5.30, Danny Jones, the voice of the STM Cougars, joins us for a preview of STM and LCA. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 423 right now. Just turned 424. We're talking about Baker Mayfield and Thursday Night Football. And I got to remind you right now, I mean, since it is Thursday Night Football, it is the start of Week 14. And you need to start off Week 14 on the right track with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday Night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A parlay that I quickly made is a Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown, the under on total points scored, and then the Raiders money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no sweat same game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus leg, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet is $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, 
call one eight seven 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 zero stop. Looking around the NBA last night, there were some big games in the association. The Clippers falling to the Magic one sixteen to one eleven in overtime. Uh, Kyrie Irving scoring thirty three to lead the Nets over the Hornets one twenty two to one sixteen. You had the Lakers losing again, which is so sweet to the Toronto Raptors one twenty six to one thirteen. You know the Lakers are injured when their top scorer was Thomas Bryant. I, I repeat, Thomas Bryant. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if half of you don't even know who he is. He's not a well-known NBA player. But anyways, uh, Jean Morant getting a trip dub? Hey, but you talk about that. Well, actually, if this would turn off. Seven players for the Lakers actually got into double figures. Wow. But you know what's interesting? I don't even... The, the reason why they had Bryant as like that feature player, it wasn't because he was the uh, the top scorer. It was actually Schroeder who had 18. So I, I don't know why ESPN does that, but he, he, made, he made all 10 of his free throw attempts. Interesting. Yeah. John Morant with a triple-double? Dude, that guy. Cheat code. It, it, it it's an honest question, but but it's it, it's one that that people tend to get aggravated when you ask them. Should you have drafted Ja instead of Zion? I think they're two great players, and I don't I don't think there's such big of a margin with these two that you would have needed to make the change. Yeah, I mean that's fair. That's. I mean, they obviously do two completely different things for you. Yeah, it's, it's two different styles of play, two completely different physiques, two completely different measurables, two different skill sets. I mean, it's two different players, and it's kind of like a would-you-rather. Now, a lot of people do like the flashy point guard that is high-flying, but then there's also the bruiser that is also very athletic himself and finds ways to efficiently score points. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Giannis Antetokounmpo also scoring 36 last night in the Bucks, 126 to 113 win over the Kings. 35, excuse me. Uh, the Warriors falling by one point to the Jazz, 124 to 123, and then James, your Boston Celtics. Yeah, just I was waiting for you to get to them. Continuing their hot streak. Oh, 125 dude. to 98. Over the Phoenix Suns. You want me to tell you about that game? So I turned that game on. So I, I know you probably watched all of it. I didn't watch all of it. I, I caught a good bit of it because I was still kind of driving home and I wasn't able to get to the game till later on. And then after a certain point in the fourth quarter, I was kind of like, it's, it's I'm kind of over this. <laughs> I turned it on in the third quarter. Uh huh. You, you turned it on at the start of the third quarter? Because that's when I turned it on as well. Uh, no, it wasn't the start of the third. It was probably like four or five minutes into the third. Oh, so you caught because the largest lead at that point in the third quarter was 44. And the Celtics were up, I want to say they were up 35 mm-hmm. when I first turned it on. And I said, I thought the Suns were good. Because, I mean, they're number one in the West. I thought they were good. But is it is it that the Suns, the Suns may very well still be good, but are the Celtics just. At a different level, because obviously I know like teams in the NBA have bad nights. It's very, yeah, everybody has a bad night. It's very rare to see a team down 
a good team down 40. I think I think it's a little bit of everything because right now the Celtics are just on a roll because you look at their offense they're they're putting up incredible numbers and from me watching it, it if it's a the, the offense just flows so much better nowadays I don't know what Joe Missoula told them but he he noticed that the Celtics were kind of little little too stagnant with the ball. But if you watch any Celtics game, you the the ball movement is amazing. The, they the, it doesn't feel like Tatum is trying to do too much and have the ball in his hands too much. Same thing with Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart's trying to get his. Everyone just feels like they're on the same page and they're always looking for the next guy to get open because each one of them knows that they can score. Most of them are pretty big and pretty much all of them can shoot. Now imagine this team. Because you got Blake Griffin, and Blake Griffin's pretty much the ninth guy on that bench. Ninth, tenth guy. And two things. Haven't seen Rob Williams, an all-defensive guy. And you haven't seen Daniil Gallinari. Because Daniil, he tore his ACL before the season started. Right. So imagine this team with Rob, and imagine them with Daniil. Now, the thing is, once Rob comes back, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting, but I feel like with this team, I don't get any vibes of selfishness at all. Everyone feels like they're on the same page and they're looking for one another to be successful. So they're they're going to make sacrifices, and I feel like it's not going to take a long grace period for them to start getting back in the groove. Two college football tidbits before we take a timeout. Edge rusher Ashley Williams at Zachary High School. Has decommitted from Auburn. Ooh. He's a four star recruit in LSU's backyard, decommitting from Auburn. It's something to monitor. It's definitely something to uh to look at. And then again, uh, another piece of news also in the SEC. Dylan Johnson is a running back at Mississippi State. He announced last night that he is entering the transfer portal. But on his way out of Starkville, threw a nice little jab. At the Mississippi State coaching staff, uh, his his letter begins. You know, I'd like to thank God for giving me the opportunity to showcase my talents at a college level. Secondly, I'd like to thank my family and friends, to Mississippi State University, my teammates, trainers, and amazing fans. It has been an honor to participate in this program with you all. Together, you guys have helped me build my character and skills tremendously. Now, here's where the jab comes in. With that being said. Since I am not very tough and Coach Leach is glad I am leaving, I will be entering my name into the transfer portal with the hopes of finding a more fit playing environment for me. Thank you. You could just you could just read the sass in that. Oh man. <laughs> you can just it's, read the sass in that one. It's so there. And the pettiness, oh my goodness. Obviously, you know, that that's probably not the best way to handle that no um and that and what what that's going to do is that's going to deter gonna, i was gonna say that's gonna stir away from some coaches and teams for sure coaches uh, they're gonna read that and go okay well don't don't want that thank you um so but look i i agree with with some people's points that they're saying well if coaches can say it why can't players and, and that's a fair point 
But, like we've always said, there's a hierarchy. You can say what you want, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to face the consequences for what you say. Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of not getting in trouble. There's still consequences for what you do and say. So, yeah, you, you can you can sit there and say, you know, Mike Leach is glad I'm leaving, but that might mean that you have less offers in the transfer portal. I was going to say, other coaches are going to go be like, yo, Leach, what what's happened? Wrong, what's, what's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with this kid? What happened? And then he's going to... He's, He's going to give his side of the story, and they're going to be like, they're going to side with them, because with Leach, because they know Leach a lot better than you, bud. Yep. Anyway. It's going to be a little tough. Take a timeout. Do Cajun's Corner with our guy Jay Walker up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, happy Thursday to you, sir. How are you? I'm just having the time of my life. So before we get to, to men's basketball, you know, focusing on football for a minute, Cajuns are preparing to play in the Independence Bowl on the 23rd against Houston. Earlier this week, it was announced that both Andre Jones and Michael Jefferson will sit out the bowl game to prepare for the NFL draft. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that, and how do the Cajuns replace that? Well, I don't know that you replace it. You know, I mean, you've got you're talking about a first team or second team all conference guy and a third team all conference guy. So you don't replace it. You just ask the next guy to step up and play the best that he can. Uh, you know what? This is, this is just the way things work now. You're going to have this every year where you're going to have guys um, who, you know, have agents and the agents advise them not to do this. You know, I, I think there comes a time, you know, if you're in the, college football playoff i think if you decide to go ahead and opt out i think some people are going to have some questions i even would have questions over a new year's six bowl but you know i this is it's just the way of life now you know every year that you're in a bowl game if you've got some really good players that think that they have a future continuing to play football there's a good chance they won't play in the bowl game and then you know dante fleming announced earlier today that he's entering the the transfer portal uh, you know, just kind of talk about the the loss that that'll be for the Cajuns program. Well, you know, look again. I I'm, I don't want to get into specific guys with the transfer portal because guys are going to do what guys are going to do. I'm just going to say this: they they had a thing uh, just yesterday uh, that they they talked about the average number of players per team that have entered the transfer portal. The Sun Belt Conference had the least with about 4.7. The Southeastern Conference had the most with about 14. So, you know, you're, let's not be naive. Every year you're going to have players enter the transfer portal for whatever reason. It might be because they want more playing time. It might be because they think they can get more NIL money. It might be because they're not playing as much as they want to, so they're going to maybe, you know, go to a different school where they'll get more playing time. This is what we've created. 
all right, with, with, uh, with NIL and the one-time transfer rule. We have free agency now. You're going to lose players every year, period, end of sentence. Fair enough. Moving on from football to men's basketball, 7-1 and one so far on the season, currently first place in the Sun Belt Conference. Jordan Brown averaging 18.6 points and 7.5 rebounds per game, named the Sun Belt Player of the Week earlier this week. You've got a good Sanford team coming into the Cajun Dome on Saturday, Jay. Just just kind of talk about, you know, where the team's at and, you know, what can you expect from the matchup with Sanford? Well, I you know, I think that I think the Cajuns are playing with some confidence, you know, the, look, I I've I've been saying it for years. I'll say it probably till I'm not doing this anymore. For whatever reason, the Cajuns struggle to win at the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. You know, the 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 last four times they've played there, they've been it's been five points or less or overtime. So are we surprised that that game came right down to the end? No, we are not surprised. It always does. Um, but I think this is a team that's playing with some confidence. This is a team that's uh, going to get Joe Charles back probably uh, Saturday against Stanford. I think that Monday against Louisiana Christian, we might see Kobe Julian play a few minutes uh, for the first time this year. Sanford um, is, a, is a team that uh, was picked in the top three uh, in the Southern Conference. They won their first six, but they've dropped their last four, two of them in overtime. Um, they've got a three-point loss to Louisiana Tech. The Cajuns have a six-point win against Louisiana Tech. So, you know, if you want to compare scores, that's about the only one you can compare. Um, they, they, they're they a team that uh, likes to shoot it from the perimeter. About 40% of their shots come from three. This is also a team, and this is something I think you need to watch on Saturday. This is also a team that gets to the free throw line about 25, 26 times a game, and they make a bunch of them. So, I think, you know, I always talk to Coach Marlin, okay, three things that you want to see, and one of them is going to be guard without fouling because you do not want to send this team to the free throw line an inordinate amount of times. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajuns Corner. Looking at the Cajuns, Jay, talk about how big of an addition both Terrence Lewis II and Famous Folks have been this year. I mean, two issues you know going into the two areas where where the Cajuns could have been better last year you immediately addressed and have really been big impacts for you well uh, I'll tell you you know Terrence Lewis you know we got to go back to Bryce Washington the last time you had somebody that was as good on the offensive boards as as, mm-hmm. as this guy is and he plays so hard all the time great free throw shooter he's going to stick it 15 feet in um, but I just, I just love the effort that he gives every time he goes out there. You know, folks has uh, been a little bit less consistent than I think you'd like him to be. You know, he's had nights where he's gone out and had six, seven, nine assists, and then he's he's had some nights where he hasn't thrown, he hasn't uh, done a, a very good job of uh, of getting his teammates involved and, and turned it over a little bit too much. I, I think between him and Thomas, they've done a, a, a solid job, not spectacular but certainly a solid job overall. Um, but I think that uh, they they want to see Themis get, get even better during the second half of the season. And then, and then the next guy I was going to bring up is is Greg Williams. I mean, Greg was a guy last year who, who contributed for you, but kind of like you just said about Themis Folks, just, just a little inconsistent last year. 
Well, this season, he has just been a special player for the Cajuns. Talk about him, especially his 27-point performance against UNO last Saturday. I'll say this. I think in defense of Greg, I think he was played out of position you know, for a good part of the year. Uh, and as a result, he was kind of a fish out of water, and, and uh, he was very inconsistent. But I think playing out of position had something to do with that. Um, you know, once they started playing him uh, at the two-guard and at the three, which is really his more normal position, you saw him start to blossom, and he wound up being uh, on the all-tournament team in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Um, this year he's been playing his proper position since the very beginning. And so he's kind of picked up where he's left off. He's, uh, he shot the ball well. He's, he's been uh, like 76% from the free throw line, but he's been nails when you really, really need him. Um, he's also rebounded the ball very well. So, you know, he's, ha- he's having a solid year. Going to be very interested to see as they, um, as they kind of integrate Kobe Julian with this rotation. Going to be interesting to see what happens with – uh, Greg's minutes with Kentrell Garnett's minutes um, because, uh, you know, Kobe can play the two or the three. He can also play the four if he has to. And we saw the other night when they didn't have Joe Charles and then all of a sudden Brown and Richards were in foul trouble. All of a sudden the Cajuns were a little bit thin inside. When that happens, Kobe Julian can play inside also. Jay, you know, I, I know we're a couple of weeks away from, from conference ball getting underway, but just looking at, at the conference right now as a whole, the Cajuns, like we talked about, are 7-1. and one. Marshall's at 7-1. and one. Southern Miss is at 8-1. and one. James Madison at 7-3. and three. I mean, it, it's clearly looking like from a men's basketball perspective, this conference got a whole lot better with the new members. Yeah, I'm, you know, with all due respects, I'm not sold on Southern Miss. This is a team that won seven games all of last year. Now they brought in some new players and they're off to a great start. They haven't played the world's greatest schedule. All right. They, they do, they do have a win at Vanderbilt, but, you know, Vanderbilt is going to be, you know, I think in the lower echelon of the, of the Southeastern Conference. Um, they, they still got to prove it to me and they might. I mean, who knows? They might. Uh, but, but no, I, I've said from the very beginning, James Madison, Marshall, those are quality ball clubs. And uh, the Cajuns have to play one of them on the road, the other one they get at home. But, but those, are, those are quality teams. You know, James Madison played Virginia to, what, a five-point game the other night and shot only 29%. Um, you know, if they go out and, and shoot the ball like they normally do, they, they get out of Charlottesville with a win. I, I think those two teams are, uh, along with the Cajuns, I think the three best teams in the league right now. The Cajuns will host Sanford at the Cajun Dome Saturday night before hosting Louisiana Christian the following Monday. Jay Walker is the voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and he joins us for Cajuns Corner each and every week. Jay, appreciate you as always, bud, and we'll do it, uh, I guess, next week. We'll do it next Wednesday. Uh, we'll do it whenever you need it. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Jay. Take care. Bye. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Swings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Welcome back to Crunch Time here on The Game. 451 is we're wrapping up hour number one. And I am happily obligated to tell you that there's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, tomorrow, you yourself can get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. That's a $40 voucher, voucher, and you will get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com Friday to get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. Get yourself a Bloomin' Onion. I know Matt loves Bloomin' Onions. I do love Bloomin' Onions. Yeah, you do. They're so good. Oh, let's talk about stuff that's blooming because uh, I feel like LSU has really bloomed after what happened the last two years. Uh, talking about them, though, a few few players we've mentioned already that are kind of leaving for the transfer portal, but then there are also some that are leaving for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them are looking at Cole Taylor. He announced earlier today. You also had, who was it? Uh, it was... Colby, Colby Fields. Colby Fields, the linebacker, freshman. He's entering the transfer portal. Jay Ward is going for the NFL draft. Makai Gardner is going has accepted an invite for the East West Shrine game. But at the same time, I mean, it pretty much indicates he's looking to go to the yeah. NFL draft as well. Desmond Little entered the transfer portal. Radarius Jones, uh obviously Jack Besh. Um and Kayshawn staying though. Yeah, Kayshawn is returning, uh, which is huge. You're also you're also going to bring back Brian Thomas Jr. and Kyron Lacey, which is which is big. Uh, and then of course you know you're going to have and you still have Malik Neighbors, Malik Neighbors, and then you've got freshmen coming in. So, I mean you're you're going to be set at, at the wide receiver position. Still still curious about what happens with the running back position though. What what ultimately comes down because si- signing days are are fastly coming. Around. Well, early signing day is. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like early signing days are coming up pretty fast. Early signing days next week. Yeah. Like we we have December some- December 21st, so in 13 days, 13 days away from early signing day. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, that's that's coming quickly. And, and in today's college football, 75 percent of your kids are, are going to sign on early signing day. Um, so going to be interesting to see what happens with the. Uh, like we said, with the running back situation, don't fact check that percentage though. The Tigers, yeah, don't. Uh, we're, Matt just threw a number out there. I mean, it's a it's a rough percentage. I think you're in the ballpark. I, I would I would say more than half of of your recruits signed during the early signing period. Uh, checking on the poll question: Who wins tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Raiders and the Rams? Seventy seven point eight percent of you say the Raiders. Twenty two percent say the Rams. No one's had a tie yet. Ton said the Rams are the only team playing worse than the Saints right now. Vegas will win by at least two touchdowns, probably more. Okay, I I don't disagree with the Rams being the one team playing worse than the Saints. Texans made, oh, <laughs> but but you 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 knew they'd be bad. Yeah, but the they whole, don't count. Yeah, but the whole thing <laughs> they, don't they don't count. They don't. You count. knew they'd be bad. That's they're that's an not XFL in the conversation. Team. I mean, basically, um. However, what I what I will not agree with is the fact that Vegas will win by two touchdowns. Have we watched the Raiders? They're not very good either. To be to be quite honest, 
And to, uh, and to be fair, this was supposed to be one of the better matchups for the Thursday night football games. Correct. They, but as it's played out, it is. If I'm not, worse. if I'm not mistaken, they flexed this to a Thursday night matchup. I may be wrong on that, but I thought that I had read that somewhere. But the Raiders, I mean, they're five and seven. So, but look, I, I mean, that's that's okay. They're they've won three in a row though. They've won three in a row. They've all been one score games. And that's even against a Broncos team who struggled. It is an right. AFC West opponent. Same thing with the Chargers. That was also another one. They're, they won by six in a shootout against the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks with Josh Jacobs just breaking one in overtime for what eighty yards. Yeah, they're they're hot right now, and you know that's great. And for for that reason, I think they probably beat the Rams. To be fair, they haven't lost since uh, Derek Carr was like crying after the at the beginning Correct. of the postgame. Like, Sorry, I'm emotional. I'm, I'm just pissed off. <laughs> oh, Derek Carr. Um, the the Raiders will beat the Rams by two touchdowns Should. though. Should that's not guaranteed. Two two touchdowns though. That's a that's a stretch. I'm, I'm gonna say it's a it's a one touchdown game. You think maybe, it, maybe even a shootout. We'll get we'll get the score in, later in the second hour. Ba- Baker. Ba- Baker's gonna Baker's gonna turn some heads tonight. We'll, I just we'll, we'll give score predictions later in the second hour. I feel it. Hour number two coming up next. Kicking it off with Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pels. Talk about the best in the West. You're listening to Crunch Time on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. More Crunch Time right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time, and you're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez and James Mesh. Phone number to call is 337 706 Zero one 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 here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium thirty two point three and Channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we touched on the top stories of the day, previewed Thursday night football between the Raiders and the Rams, and talked about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns off to their hot seven and one start on the hardwood. Another team that is off to a above average start. On the basketball court is the New Orleans Pelicans sitting at 16-8 and eight and number one in the Western Conference. God, that doesn't get old. Jake Madison, the host of Locked on Pels, joins us on the hotline to talk about those red-hot Pelicans. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on to talk some hoops. So, you know, going into the season, there was obviously, you know, conversation that the Pelicans might turn over that leaf and, and become a serious contender in, in the NBA this year. But now 24 games in, they're sitting at first place in the Western Conference. I mean, just saying that sentence is wild. 
Yeah, it's definitely unexpected, especially given they've been dealing with a number of injuries this year. Their big three of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum has only played a total of 10 games together. You know, you wouldn't expect over a quarter of the way into the year for them to be in first when you're saying something like that. That just kind of goes against all of the history of this team, that injuries kind of take away any potential that they have. But they're one of the deeper teams in the NBA, if not the deepest team in the NBA right now. And so they're able to go out and get these wins and grind out wins like they did last night over the Detroit Pistons. They're in a very good spot. Their depth is going to be able to sustain them during the regular season. And you're really starting to see this team come together. They're one of the top offenses in the league. They're one of the top defenses in the league. They're right in the conversation now of could they win the Western Conference. And, you know, you, you talked about the injuries. Herb Jones and, and Brandon Ingram are, are two guys currently, you know, missing time for the Pels. But, you know, one guy I want to start off talking about is obviously, you know, Zion Williamson, averaging 24 points per game on the season, shooting at almost 60% from the field. I mean, this has just been such a different he, – he's always been a generational talent, but the, the guy we have seen so far through this season has, has probably been more than we could have bargained for. Yeah, I mean, I think he's reminding a lot of people of just how good he is after missing last season with a foot injury. His sophomore year, his second year in the league, this is a guy that was an all-star that averaged 27 points per game, shot nearly 70% at the rim. It was basically unstoppable down low, and you're seeing him do it again. I think the first month or two of the season was him getting kind of reacclimated to kind of the speed of the NBA. You could see his finishing around the rim wasn't nearly as good as it was a couple of years ago, but that's all starting to come back to him and you're seeing him just kind of be himself and when they use him in the point Zion way where they give him the ball at the top of the three-point line and let him start to get downhill and create from others he's a problem and there's no way to really stop him you saw multiple times last night against the Pistons where they would more or less just try and give him a hug and try not let him even get the ball up and he's so strong he's still able to do that and then makes a lot of those shots to go to the line for an and one so it's just very clearly, he is the best player on the team. He's kind of the engine that makes their offense work. And you're seeing him also commit on the defensive side of the ball. He, he's been good defensively this year. You're seeing the blocks. You're seeing really good rotations and working well off ball, not just ball watching and falling asleep on that side. He's creating a lot of steals. It's allowing the Pelicans to get out in transition, run, get some easy buckets. And it's a big part of the reason why they're, why they're first in the Western Conference right now. You know, you talked about the defense. The, the Pelicans have really been... Such a special team to open the year on defense. Just kind of talk about the you know the way they've played defensively and how they've been able to really slow down some of their opponents. Yeah, you know they remind you a lot of the Toronto Raptors from the past couple of years. And the Raptors kind of blitz you and play very fast on defense, trying to force turnovers, getting their arms in the passing lanes. The Pelicans are one of the top teams when it comes to deflection. So if they you know, opponents try and pass the ball, there's a chance that's going to get knocked away, either for a steal for New Orleans or you're going to have to kind of start that possession over. And so they remind you a lot of that. They're aggressively trapping on the perimeter, trying to kind of get the ball out of ball handlers, you know, uh, way. And then they're good at rotating. One of the things that you see from them right now is they give up a lot of three-point shots, but those aren't open three-point shots. They do a really good job of closing out on three-point shooters, contesting three-point shooters, and they lead the league right now in opponent three-point percent. Teams can't hit anything against them because these are contested looks, because they're rushing out there using their length with a guy like Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, who's a hero of last night's win. They really are just kind of flying around on that side of the ball and it's leading to good results so far. The Pelicans currently sitting at third in the NBA 
in defensive rating. You know, we talked about Zion. We talked about, you know, Brandon Ingram and the, and the big three for the Pelicans. But the, te- the young talent on this group is what's really been so special. And so far this year, Jake, that's been led by Jose Alvarado. Yeah, it's been all of the guys, right? Jose's been a real big part of this. When they need to kind of slow things down on offense, you need a point guard that can come in and really kind of get them into their sets, and he does a great job of that. He's just, you know, a bulldog on defense. He's got to be so annoying to play against. I'm looking forward to the battle this weekend between him and Chris Paul. And he just kind of brings this type of energy to the team that elevates everyone's level of play around him. So he's grown more. It's nice to see him getting around 20 or so minutes, 25 minutes per game. That's, I think, the right number for him. They're using him well. He bruised his ribs in the game last night, but sounds like he might be able to go uh, tomorrow or certainly Sunday, I think. So it's good to see that that wasn't a bigger injury. But when you look at kind of the guys that are heart and souls of a team, he's definitely right in that mix. Chatting with Jake Madison, the host of the Locked on Pelicans. Jake, is it is it far-fetched to think that this is the last season Jackson Hayes plays in New Orleans? No, I don't think so. I, I, you know, very clearly he's on his way out if he can't hit the court at this point. And they've gone to Billy Hernan Gomez over him the past couple of games. Jackson, Jackson Hayes probably isn't going to see very many minutes barring a big injury to New Orleans. Certainly they're going to look to move him. You know, he's on an expiring deal at this point. They don't have an extension in place for him. I can't imagine they're really going to be looking to re-sign him. And it's unfortunate. This is a guy who's the eighth overall pick, same draft class as Zion. I think, you know, coming out of he projected as a center that would fit nicely alongside Zion Williamson, and that development just never really came. You saw some flashes of it, but he was never able to really put it together consistently to really be able to stay out on the court. And so I think they'll look to move him prior to the trade deadline. I just don't think he has a ton of value around the league and don't know if they're going to really be able to find a buyer for his services. And then looking at at some at a rookie that that's kind of stood out to me a little bit is Dyson Daniels, averaging 19 minutes on the young season, five points and almost four rebounds in his playing time. Just kind of talk about Dyson and you know maybe the expectation from the front office for him heading into this season and has he met it? Yeah, I mean certainly, I think he's met the expectation. He's playing you know closer to 30 minutes right now than than 20 minutes, which tells you the role that he has in this rotation and. You know, he came into the league as an NBA-ready defender. That's what they were expecting from him, and he's showing it. You know, he's got really good size at 6'8". They don't have a big guard like that, so they really like to use him there defensively. He's a good rebounder, and really when you watch him play, especially defensively, it reminds you a lot of Lonzo Ball, and his game resembles balls on offense, too. This is a guy that's a connector, not necessarily creating for others, a la Chris Paul or Steve Nash, some of those kind of pure point guards that you think of pulling the strings of the defense, but he keeps the ball moving, and I think that's an important thing. When you put him out there, the ball just doesn't hit his hand hands and stop he's going to find the right guy and get the ball to him and keep that play developing for new orleans to be able to go out and score he's been an above average three-point shooter shooting close to 40 percent right now though on limited volume if he can do that he's going to have a big role for the remainder of the year he's ahead of Devonte graham right now i think in terms of the rotation and we don't see that changing anytime soon looking at the league as a whole as we we kind of start to wrap up any teams that have kind of stood out to you above the rest uh, so far this year? 
You know, there, I mean, there's a number. You really look at the, the Eastern Conference, right? I think you see the Boston Celtics is by far the best team, probably in the a- NBA, but certainly in the Eastern Conference. They just put a beat down on the Phoenix Suns last night, which is what handed New Orleans first place in the West. You also have some surprise teams. I think the Cavaliers are really starting to round into form, look like they're going to be uh, a, a competitor this year. And then on the flip side of that, you have disappointing teams like the Miami Heat, who just lost to Detroit at home by 30-plus points, I think it was. Was and they can't really seem to figure certain things out. And in the West, you sell the Utah Jazz, who the Pelicans have two games against, that won in miraculous fashion last night against the Golden State Warriors. You know, this stretch they have coming up is certainly going to be tough. The Jazz are coming back down to earth a little bit, so this is going to be a decent measuring stick game, I think, for New Orleans two games, really, as they really try and get some separation between them and others in the, in the NBA and in the Western Conference. Looking ahead to the weekend, you got two games at home with Phoenix tomorrow night and then on Sunday. You know, looking at the Suns, obviously they were they were first place in the West before losing to the Celtics last night, sitting at sixteen and nine. Just kind of talk about that group and the Pelicans looking to to avenge the loss in the playoffs from last year. Yeah, certainly. And this, you know, they played earlier in the season too, and they beat New Orleans handily. Though New Orleans really didn't have anyone playing, and we weren't seeing kind of the depth shine through as it is right now. But this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be one of the teams that you know, if you want to win a title or if you want to just simply make the NBA Finals, you're going to have to play them at some point. And if you want a high seed, this is a team that you're competing with. So these are good kind of measuring stick games, I think, for the Pelicans. You know, first and foremost, you've got to try and slow down a guy in Devin Booker. He was in the running for player of the week. He won player of the month recently. He's just been torching the league with his scoring. You're going to need guys like Najee Marshall, uh, Dyson Daniels. You're going to need Herb Jones, hopefully, back in the lineup there, too, and Trey Murphy to be able to slow him down because it all starts right there then you need to figure out a way to kind of handle a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who's given New Orleans trouble, certainly gave them trouble early on in the season. Finding the right kind of big man rotation is important. If it's not Valanciunas, do you go to Larry Nance Jr., who's more mobile, can defend in space, but doesn't have that size advantage there? Or do you go to Billy Hernan Gomez, who did a really good job against Nikola Jokic? And then where are they going to be able to really create their offense from? Against the, the Pistons last night, they struggled throughout most of the game. They weren't getting Zion touches every possession. Sometimes they weren't going with the point Zion experience, which we've seen really, really works. They really need to lean into that fully over these two games to make life difficult. They'll get Brandon Ingram back, I think, on Sunday. He's not playing tomorrow. So that's going to be a big boost. So they really need their shooters to knock down the open shots that Zion are, Zion's going to create for them because the Suns can go out and score, and you're going to need to keep up with them. You're not going to fully slow them down. The offense needs to be a little bit more crisp than we saw it last night against the Pistons. Jake Madison, the host of Locked On Pelicans, joining us here on Crunch Time. Jake, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the games in the blender this weekend, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on. And there he goes. Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans. Looking at the poll question of the day, who wins tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Rams and the Raiders? Got a comment on the Facebook page from our guy Randy Russell. He said, Rams, Baker for MVP for the year, not just tonight. I don't think I've ever met a bigger supporter of Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, <laughs> the, the the Baker thing, I like Baker. I want Baker to work out in the league. I do too. However, don't, I don't, don't think get me it, wrong. I don't I, think it's going to. 
Uh, he's one of those guys. It's the same. It's the same thing with me with Gardner Minshew. I really like Gardner Minshew, but to me, he's just somebody that I can't see as a consistent starter in the NFL. The Jimmy G thing, I totally get. I totally get it. J- Jimmy Jimmy is he's what he is at this point. I would he's not going to be a superstar. He's not going to be someone that lights up the league. He's Kirk Cousins. He's an above average quarterback. He is a slightly above average quarterback. He is don't ask don't ask too much of him. Correct. But you could you can do some stuff with him for sure. Correct. He's going he he knows how to win. For sure. You can't argue with that. I mean, if, if it wasn't for him getting hurt, if the Niners make it to the NFC Championship game, that's four straight years that he would have played in the conference title game. But I do want to say this. I am curious to see how the 49ers go the rest of the year. How successful are they? Yep. What do they do with Brock Purdy? Because to me, if they win a majority of their games and they still make it to the NFC Divisional or the NFC Championship, does that does that Shanahan me, coach of the year? You can lean towards that, but I also look towards do you almost kind of take away some credibility of Jimmy Garoppolo? No. How, it's like, how could cause, you? Because the, the team still wins even without him. But that I, – I don't know that that's a valid argument. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. Because it's the same thing with the running backs. It doesn't matter who's at running back. You, you, you just want to find a way to devalue Jimmy G. I'm just saying. It's something to look out for. You want to find a way to devalue Jimmy G. You do. You have a thing against Jimmy G. And that's okay. You're allowed to. But you have a, just like you have a thing for James Winston, you have a thing against Jimmy G. I don't deny that. But I'm all, but that, is that not something to look out for? Like the fact I mean, that you're, you're still, because you even saw them win games with CJ Beathard. Not this team. Not this group. Now, but I, I do, I do understand what you're saying. Like it's, it feels like it's a, it's mainly the system. It's just Jimmy kind of feels like he just works really well with the 49ers system. There, there's no denying that. But it feels like it's all. It, I don't, it, I don't think Jimmy G would be as good as he is without the Niners. However, anywhere he plays, I still think he's a good quarterback. I think, I think he's somebody that is serviceable. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. We have we have differing opinions on. Uh, I on, just wonder if Brock, if Brock Purdy goes like five and two. So if Brock Purdy goes five and two, we're gonna sit here and say, "Ha, Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback." I still put him. I still put him at the average above average. <sighs> okay. I'm just saying it, it's it's interesting. You, you hate the man. You hate the man. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armin Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score that $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armin Jewelers and the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. i got a question for you real quickly before we take a timeout. Say the Saints get Jimmy Garoppolo next year, and injuries work out in the Saints' favor. The Saints have a healthy season. Blah blah blah. You know they that's, get a good, that's a blessing. They get a good coach. <laughs> uh-huh. You know all of it. Jimmy Garoppolo leads you to a Super Bowl. 
still going to hate Jimmy G. No, it'd be the same thing as Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers came to New Orleans. It wouldn't be my most favorite thing in the world, but it's like, hey, it's Saints QB, and I rock with the Saints. So as far as I'm concerned, I rock with you. As soon soon as you're gone, Jimmy G playing Jimmy G playing for the Saints, at least to me, seems like a very real possibility for next year. That's if San Fran has decided, I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> we're, we're going fully Trey Lance. I mean. Which is a very even, real possibility, but to me. Th- that's a very real possibility. And then also, Jimmy G could just say he wants to go somewhere else. He very well could. I don't know. Take a time out. We'll be back with more crunch time right after this here on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 5.23, almost 5.24 here on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. So, interesting we're, we're, let's continue this Jimmy Garoppolo conversation because it, it, it's intriguing to me. So in his career as a starter, Jimmy Garoppolo has played in 74 games in his career. He has started 40. Or 57, excuse me. Started 57. He is 40 and 17 in his starts. He's completed 67, almost 68% of his passes for well over 14,000 yards, 87 touchdowns, and 42 interceptions. Now, that that touchdown-to-interception ratio, a little over 2-1. to one. It's okay. It's not great, but it's, you know, it, it, it's serviceable. In 57 games, 14,000 yards, that's a little under an average of 300 a game. But the guy just knows how to win. I mean, 40 and 17 is a very impressive win-loss record in the NFL. It's closing in on he's closing in on being the best starter as a Niner ever. Like even having a better win-loss record as a Niner than than Joe Montana. Now We've we've talked before about you know is that solely because of Kyle Shanahan's system and that very well may be the case, but we don't know until you see him play somewhere outside of that. I mean, yeah, he played sparingly in New England, but not enough for you to to really say that you know oh he's you know he's only good with the Niners. My my thing would be. You know, why not take a one-year flyer on the guy and see what happens? I mean, he's 31. I don't know that he's going to be looking for humongous money. I mean, you you might be able to pay him $12 million. I think Jimmy, if he is to leave, I think he'd be looking for a two-, three-year deal. Well, even that. You know, sign him. I don't. At this point in his career, he's you're not. He's not going to be looking for a five, six year deal. Sign him. Sign him to a two year deal with the, with an opt out. Either side can opt out, out, out after a year. If it doesn't work, you move on. 
Cut your losses, move on. I mean, I'd like to see what he could do with Chris Olave and what could potentially be a healthy Michael Thomas and Jawan Johnson and Deontay Hardy if he's healthy next year. There, there's a lot of pieces that the Saints could put together that would, would make it intriguing for Jimmy Garoppolo offensively. The defense, in my opinion, needs a lot of work. But the the offense, outside of the offensive line, I think you've got pieces that could could really make some sense for you to where all you really need is a short-up quarterback. And a, a guy that's 32, or he will be 32, and has stayed fairly healthy outside of a, a freak injury or two. He only recently turned 31. Right. Okay, okay. so he won't even be 32 by the time he, the, yeah, he tur- the season starts he in 30, November. Oh, turned, wow. Yeah, last month. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you're looking at a 31-year-old. I would take a chance on that. This is a guy that learned during Tom Brady. I would absolutely take a chance on that and just see, you know, what kind of player he could be for you. And again, like I said, two-year deal with an opt-out on either side. If he doesn't like it, you can walk. If, um, if the Saints don't feel like it's worked out, they can move on. Either way, you know, I, I think I think you can. You can work that out. Um, real quick, coming across the, the timeline, this is this is a little concerning. Uh, former Raging Cajuns offensive lineman Max Mitchell has been placed on the non-football injury slash illness list for blood clots in his right calf and lung. That is very concerning. Uh, Max Mitchell apparently has a hereditary blood clotting condition called Factor V Linden and is taking a blood thinner. He is expected to make a full recovery and play again. That is that is very scary. Um, just had to had to state that due to the fact that he is a uh, a former Cajun. Baker Mayfield on the field to warm up for the Rams. Realistically, James, what kind of game does he have tonight? It can't be a good one. I mean, he doesn't know the playbook. I think he might put up like 183, maybe a touchdown. I mean, yeah, he he doesn't know the playbook. Like, if like with this being the case, you would have to assume that they're running the most basic. Basic. Concepts. You're gonna have to it's dumb st- it down. It's stuff that everybody. It's stuff that every fundamental offensive playbook runs, and stuff that you usually see in preseason. And and you're not gonna be able to have code names for it. You're gonna have to say, "Hey, zone right, <laughs> spire two eye banana." Like that. That is like you're gonna have to dumb it down to the most basic form of football. Hey, Baker, you see the guy in in the number three wearing the same color as you? Hand the ball off to him. Like that. That's. What I don't you're... think. I don't think it has to be that bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It. I mean, y- you saw the the meme video that you showed me with the speed reader trying to learn the playbook. <laughs> I mean, come on. Walk in, walk into the facility on Tuesday. Hey, here's a 300-page binder. You've got 48 hours to learn it. No, they gave him a condensed version. 
Like, they're oh, like, man. They're like, here's some basic plays that we do. Just, oh. we're, we're, we're only going to run about 10, 15 different plays. There, there will be memes. I'm sure people will be playing drinking games based on the performance of Baker Mayfield. Every time Baker Mayfield throws, throws an incompletion, <laughs> take a shot. Yikes. Take two shots for every interception. Interception, yeah. Uh, the, man. I'd... Shot a fumble. Yikes. That would uh that that would make for a pretty rough Thursday night is is all I'm going to say. A shot every time they end a drive and it doesn't get past the 50. Every time they mention that he's he got only signed been on, the on Tuesday for two days. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. That's the deal breaker. <laughs> your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Take a time out. When we return, Danny Jones will hit us up on the game hotline and provide a preview of STM and LCA in the Superdome tomorrow at noon. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LHSAA High School Football State Championships underway inside Caesars Superdome this afternoon. The Division Four non-select game and Division Four select games. Three games tomorrow and three games on Saturday. One that people are really going to be looking out for tomorrow, though, is the opener at noon. The Division Two select matchup is going to be an all-Acadiana affair with Lafayette Christian Academy led by Trev Falk and the STM Cougars led by head coach Jim Hightower in a state championship matchup. Danny Jones, the voice of the Cougars, you can hear that game tomorrow right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. The voice of the Cougars, Danny Jones, joins us on the game hotline now. Danny, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Pretty good, and you, Matt? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, looking at this matchup, two really high-powered teams, high-powered on the offensive side of the football for both of them. STM coming into this game with a record of 12 and 1, while Lafayette Christian coming in with a record of 10 and 3. Now, these two teams met in the final game of the regular season, you know, last month with LCA falling to STM 41 to 34. Talk about that matchup and, you know, if anything can translate into their rematch here in the state title game. Well, I think the crazy points LCA is putting up right now and that St. Thomas Moore puts up, you know, historically week in, week out. But that was a 10 nothing game at halftime, St. Thomas Moore with the lead. So, obviously, Coach Falk and, and, and those the LCA Knights have figured some things out. put up 138 points over the last two weeks, 70 against De La Salle, 68 against Turlings last Friday night. So, you know, I, I think it's always tough to beat a team twice in a season. And I think the intensity level from LCA will be there. And one of the keys to the game for St. Thomas Moore is coming in as the team that won the match in, you know, won the game in week 10. I think the challenge for them is going to be to have to match the intensity of LCA from the onset. Looking at this group for the Cougars, it's led by 
Sam Altman at quarterback, and then you've just got a slew of weapons at the skill positions with Hutch Swilly and Christian McNeese and Charlie Payton. Just kind of talk about you know the the weapons that Altman has in this special offense for uh, for the Cougars. Well, it starts. You got four senior wide receivers, and you got Connor Stelly and Hayes Monklaw, Christian McNeese, and Tanner Hornback. And so you know, there's a lot of experience and a lot of talent on the edge for for Altman to throw to. And then you go to the backfield, and you sit there and you go, okay, you got a senior in Charlie Payton, you got two juniors in Hutch Swilly and John Luke Saint Pierre, and then you got a sophomore, Gabe Mossick, that's more than capable even as a sophomore. So there are a ton of weapons uh, for St. Thomas Moore, and I think the run game, those four guys that I mentioned, are going to be a really big part of the, uh, the game plan and the, the, the outlook for St. Thomas Moore tomorrow to, to be able to run the football, put points on the board, and hopefully keep the ball out of the hands of Jawan Johnson. And, and then looking at, at the defensive side, Austin Oye and Oliver Allen are, are two names that really jump off the page for the Cougars. Just kind of talk about the, this defense, and like you said, you talked about Juwan Johnson, the fantastic wide receiver for the Knights. Talk about how this defense can kind of slow him down. You know, in, in Week 10, St. Thomas Moore ran two defensive fronts, one four-down four, four lineman, and then they switched back and forth to three-down lineman. I think they had success in the four-down lineman. You, you put Burke, you put uh, Holden Matthews' goes by Chop, Chop Matthews and Austin Oye in the middle. And then, you know, you put your edge rushers, you put Adam Guidry and, you know, somebody else, whether it be a Cannon, an Inzarella, whoever it may be, and you try to pinch him and, and keep Johnson contained as best you can. I don't know if it's possible to contain him, but you got to try. And then you got, you know, St. Thomas Moore's base defense at four two five, and they kind of run their outside linebackers as defensive backs as well. But their two middle linebackers, Brody Latchley and, Hayden Hernandez have played really, really well as, as juniors this year. And whoever they put, assuming they put a spy on Johnson, you know, you're going to have to say, look, don't think about what you're going to do. Just spy Johnson wherever he goes, you go. Chat with Danny Jones, the voice of the STM Cougars. Danny, this was a, a team that headed in, you know, you had to replace Walker Howard and, and a few others. This was going to be a down year for the Cougars, or, or at least that was the thought. And you know, talk about the the fight in this team and in the coaching staff led by Jim Hightower to you know take that mindset and, and turn it into a state championship game appearance. Well, I, I think the first thing, and you always look at the senior leadership and the the coaching staff has talked about their senior leaders all season long, and you know, so many people thought the ceiling for this team was probably seven and three, maybe you know six and four, maybe seven and three, and they ran through the regular season nine and one and lost to a a very good Catholic high Baton Rouge team, <laughs> excuse me, and showed that they were a formidable opponent. You know, they had the wins against Turlings and Westgate and LCA to, to end the season. But I, I think really when you look at what this team's done, the senior leadership, and they're, they're a cohesive unit, and, and they played that way in the mentality because they were, you know, so many people were, were against them, if you want to call it that, from week one. They had the mentality of one week at a time, and I know that's cliche, Matt, but that's exactly what Jim Hightower and his entire staff preached the entire season was one week at a time, let's, <clears throat> let's handle this game and go to the next one. And, and look, they were battle-tested with Ash and Brother Martin and Catholic and Denham Springs, and then getting into District 4-4A play, and they had the games against Northside and North Vermilion, but to end with Turlings, Westgate, and LCA, uh, you know, they had proven through their, through their schedule – that they were worthy of the number one seed and fortunately were, were able to get it and host every game throughout the playoffs. And now it's turned into an appearance in the Louisiana Superdome tomorrow afternoon. 
You talked about slowing down Juwan Johnson for the night. What else do do the Cougars have to do to to slow down a really good LCA team? Well, and it, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think running the football, and we were able to run the football in Week Ten against LCA, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people. If you if you look at the offensive line for St. Thomas More, they do not look like five high school offensive linemen. And I think again, you talk about cohesiveness. I don't know the last time, if ever, and I've been doing St. Thomas More football for 21 years. This starting line, the starting offensive line, all five across the offensive line. If you go all the way back to August, which the the scrimmage, and then you had the jamboree, then you had ten regular season games, and you have three playoff games so far. <clears throat> this will be the 16th week in a row that every offensive lineman that started has, has continued to start. It's been the same five guys each and every week all the way since August. That's almost unheard of. And so I think that's a, a key to the cohesiveness and, and running the football. And I think that's the key to the game tomorrow is how St. Thomas Moore can run the football if they're able to find the success that they found in Week 10. If they can run the football, have their offense click at the normal way they do, and, again, that's a big if because LCA plays, plays a lot in that, they're going to have to get – you know, I told somebody if they, can, if they can be their normal selves offensively and get a stop each half, I think St. Thomas Moore has a really good chance. You know what? What's the X factor for for you in this game on the else on the St. Thomas More side? Which player, in your opinion, if there's any of them, really need to have a, a big game tomorrow? Well, I, I'm going to go back to the you know the, I can't pinpoint one running back. Charlie Payton, Hutch Swilley, John Luke St. Pierre. I think those three guys are going to be a huge factor offensively for St. Thomas More. The guys on the outside, McNeese and and Monclaw and uh, Stelly, and then Hornback in the slot they're going to get their opportunities. You know, McNeese is a guy that can turn a five-yard hitch to a 60-yard touchdown, and he's athletic. But I think those three guys, the running backs for St. Thomas Moore, are going to be uh, the way they, they find a way to, to, to grind the clock, put points on the board, put a lot of points on the board. They've been, they've been 50-50. This is probably some of the best calls that Shane Savoy's had throughout the season in being 50-50 because, you know, so many times it's a video game-type offense for St. Thomas Moore. They want to throw the football. And they're going to take what the defense gives them. And so running the football and throwing 50-50, they found uh, enormous success this year doing that. And defensively for St. Thomas Moore, I think it's going to be, you know, the key is to contain Johnson, not let him get on the perimeter. He is going to want to run the football, no doubt about it. He can chunk it around. He accounted for nine touchdowns a week ago. So whatever, by any means necessary, they're going to have to contain number seven. The STM Cougars taking on the LCA Knights in the Division II Select State Championship game. Kickoff is set for 12 from the Caesar Superdome pregame show beginning at 11 right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's the voice of the Cougars, Mr. Danny Jones. Danny, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great call tomorrow. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Y'all, thanks so much, Matt. Y'all have a good, good night. evening. And there he goes, Danny Jones, the voice of the STM Cougars. If you were looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of the Rewards Club, you're going to have the opportunity to sign up and score some excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But if that's not good enough for you, you can also win a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. The only way to score these great stocking stuffers is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up. 
today. You can literally have it done during this next commercial break, and you could be a member of the clubhouse by the time you hear my voice again. Take a time out, wrap up today's show on the other side. You are listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 52 after the hour. James, you want to hear this? So now that Trey Turner is playing for the Phillies, the Dodgers are in need of a shortstop. Listen, listen to the opening paragraph of this article about the latest rumors regarding Carlos Correa. The Dodgers are not pursuing shortstop Carlos Correa, in part out of concern that a sizable portion of their fan base would not welcome the move. Correa was the most outspoken member of the 2017 Astros club that stole signs illegally during the postseason and beat the Dodgers in a seven-game World Series. So you're not going to sign a all-star, gold-glove-winning shortstop because some of your fans might not like it? Wait, is that how we're doing business now? Really? You know, you know, you know what your fans really aren't. You know what they're really not gonna like? Sucking. I mean, who, who are you gonna put at shortstop? You barely have a third baseman. Get out there, Matt. Oh, I might have to. Oh, get flash Jim. the flash the leather a little bit. I like get get Jim Rome. Jim Rome, Dodger Jano, get Jim Rome to go be a Dodger shortstop. Oh man, that would be. Uh, That'd be interesting. I'll uh, just go get LeBron. Well, you know what they say: LeBron James could play any position of any sport. That's what I'm saying. Like he, he's so, just he's just the best athlete of all time. <laughs> I mean, some people say it, but uh, just have him play shortstop. I mean, looking what can, at the, what can't the man do? Looking at the poll question: Who wins tonight's Thursday night football matchup, Raiders or Rams? So far, sixty six point seven percent say the Rams. I mean, the Raiders, excuse me, while well, 33% <laughs> gonna say, say that would have been such a turnaround. The Rams, uh, we got a comment from Hudat Forever. Jimmy G is nothing more than the guy you put up with until you get your actual quarterback of the future. It's all he's ever been. It's all he'll ever be. He single-handedly lost a Super Bowl. Okay, well, you never single-handedly lose a game. So uh, I'm not going to agree with that. However, I mean, is that not what the Saints would sign him for? I mean, do you see the Saints having an opportunity in the next two years to sign a quarterback of the future? No, I, I, I don't. You don't have a first-round draft pick. So unless, you know, your fourth or fifth-round guy that you may draft, because the, the Saints hate drafting quarterbacks, apparently, um, that you may draft, if he works out, then fan-freaking-tastic. But who's to say you're going to draft somebody? You know, we're talking about how the Saints need a quarterback, and, and anytime I say that the Saints need a quarterback, I, you, you hear, oh, well, the Saints haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round since Archie Manning. Well, the, the, the Saints won't do it. Well, they might want to. I understand that they don't, but people and, and things can change. 
they might want to look into it. Works out sometimes. It's just a thought. I mean, you haven't drafted a quarterback in 50 years. And guess what? You've only had one good one since then. I just remember every time that they drafted QB. Just kidding. I'm not. You, you've had two good ones since they're, then. They're they're gone after like three years because they they just suck. Yeah, you've you've had you've had two good QBs since then. Bobby Abear and then Drew Brees. I mean, do you, do you remember Ian Book? Okay, so do you he, remember you remember Gary Grayson? So get better <laughs> quarterback scouts. I understand the quarterback's a hard position to scout out, but I mean, Jesus Christ, it I was gonna cannot say that. be. I was going to say that one is. There's got to be somebody that can do it. How do people find Tua? And how do people find Lamar and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? There's good quarterback scouts out there. Find one. It also comes down to the coaching staff actually developing the player. It's not oh. just scouting well, somebody that's good. I'm, 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 yeah, really. that That's a problem, too. Um, we, we we need a new coaching staff, top to bottom. Quickly, find, score score predictions. Ooh, for tonight? Yeah. Oh God! I told you this earlier. God. Um, thirty three. Holy cow! To nineteen. I'm gonna go twenty four thirteen Raiders. Twenty four thirteen. Thirty thirty three nineteen. Raiders, Raiders or Rams? Raiders. <laughs> Raiders. Thirty three. I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think Baker Mayfield can get a can get a win tonight. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guests, Jay Walker, Jake Madison of Locked On Pels, and Danny Jones, James Mesh. Enjoy your day off tomorrow. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and I will see you tomorrow right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.